Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 205. Today is Sunday the 24th of July, 2016, and this interview, which was recorded on the 21st, is with Lauren Weissman, fellow business advisor, speaker, host of a podcast, wait, what, really? Okay. And the author of two books, The Artist's Guide to Success and Music Business for Dummies. In this interview, we look at some of the keys for artists to drive their business via the online, and what are the important lessons to be taken away for business executives and entrepreneurs. A vivacious conversation. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue. All right, today I have Lauren Wiseman piped in from, well, a town I have to say I know extremely well, much, much better than you would imagine, Vero Beach, Florida. So Lauren, tell us who you are. Um, for those of you who don't know you, I'll be talking about you in my pre, pre-roll, of course, um, and what you do and what's your mindset? Uh, Major, I'm, I'm a business advisor, speaker, and author. At least that's what it says on my card. I really enjoy these days doing branding strategy, marketing strategy, working with other branding groups, marketing groups, management groups to develop content plans and a lot that goes into the foundation of what anybody's putting up for business. When it comes to my mindset, I come from a background of music and television, both performance and music and production and TV. I've always found my mindset to be what can you put together? What can you create in the simplest form, in the easiest form, in the most authentic form to reach out and engage with people? And whether that's the shortest video or a conversation you have with a woman at a bar or, you know, making fun of somebody that goes for a different soccer team than you. Those moments, the short moments of engagement, whatever you're putting out, whatever you're taking back, that's where the magic is. And that's where my mindset is. Beautiful. All right. Well, Lauren, let's, I want to talk uh, a fair amount about music because not only do we share music in common, but I mean, you're more, uh, let's say, a professional musician and I just a, a, a music man, a musical man, as we say. For people who are, are trying to get cut it in the music business today, I mean, because basically we're talking about a, a, a d- disparate market. Everyone can be a musician. Everyone can be a YouTuber. How does, how does a bona fide musician make it through these days? <laughs> That's the question of the year. A bona fide musician makes it through these days by looking at as many avenues of opportunities and as many avenues of revenue as possible. The protection, just like what you do with branding with business, it has to be the same with musicians. So the option of, wow, I'd love to have this song go into the charts, or I'd love to play Wembley, or I'd love to be this superstar. That's a great dream, and I'm not saying take away the dream, but where do you have a 20-second song that you never finished, you recorded it in the studio, and can serve as a bumper in a radio show, a podcast, a TV commercial? Where do you have a piece that might just not fit you, your style, but somebody else could pick up and perform, and you see performance royalties from that? Where do you have the background in a 
another world, in another country, where this song, trans, this English song translated into Hangul could be sent to Korea, and you've got sub-international licensing. There are so many more opportunities than the stereotypical view of American Idol or X Factor on either side of the ocean here. And people get lost in this sense of, I must be a star, there's nothing else. But there are realistic, sustainable ways to maintain, sustain, grow, and succeed in music while looking at numerous avenues all at the same time. And the last point on that, I know I'm going on a little long with this. No, it's good, it's good. Is is not to get caught up in the legalities and the issues of the industry. For example, oh, this is streaming and I should have the rights to this and I should be paid for that. Yes, online is not formatted. It's not regulated across the the oceans from the U.S. to India to England to Asia. It's not properly formatted. But sitting there and saying, okay, I had X number of plays and I deserve this, you can't cash that check. So as opposed to doing that, it's how can you reach out, how can you expand your audience, and how can you grow to maintain a a mixture of a professional and personal audience to allow you every opportunity from playing that small gig to being the background music for a big TV show to being the background band of somebody else that's touring through. When you look at that array of option of the of those options out there, there is a career for anybody in music these days. Well, it sounds from listening to you that you actually have to put your ego a little bit on the back seat. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the, humi- the, the humility part it's it's not the 60s, 70s, or 80s. And with with the internet, it's opened up so many more doors. But at the same time, that attitude that you might have admired in one of your heroes, yeah. to practice that attitude, you'll just be practicing in your practice room. Yeah. I mean, you know, the star, I know everything. I have a vision, and I'm so sure of myself. I come off with attitude. That was sort of the, that's what we're talking about in the 80s or 70s and 80s. But today, that doesn't fly. It doesn't fly. And for the people, unfortunately, that emulate that attitude, they don't look at the bigger picture. That star that's out there saying all these things, we have Kanye West here in America. Kanye West has millions of dollars of marketing and promotion behind him to allow him that platform to say the controversial things, which in turn turn to the media, which in turn market him and create more sales. Now, somebody in a small local town, I mean, let's say you're uh, a little south and wherever in, in Newcastle and you're in a shipping town sitting here, rep, you know, going too political or jumping on one side or the other side of Brexit is only going to hurt you as opposed to expand your audience or get you into that wider frame. To be a musician today, it's being an ambassador of the world if you want to reach the world. And that ego, it does need to be dialed a touch back. All right, so if, we, if I'm a musician um, and I come to you, Lauren, and I say, listen, hey, Lauren, make me famous, um, I suppose that's the kind of way they come in with all your, you know, people really do know who you are and, and all your reputation. Um, what's, what, what's your first point of call? Are you going to, you're going to evaluate whether I actually have talent or not? How do you, how do you start with that? I mean, cause if I'm shit, uh, you know, I, and I'm a terrible musician, are you going to be able to take me on or how, what, how do you start? Mentor, how many times over, and you being a guitar player, how many times have you been to a show or seen someone open and you're saying, this is just pure shit. Yeah. How, how is it possible to get someone up got on the that. stage? Yeah. 
the marketing has allowed for different opportunities, even in the worst musicians to be out there. You can, you can market and you can shine a turd and you can get it out there and get your return on investment. I think it's better if you have talent, but we also need to look from the humble standpoint that music is opinion like food is opinion. I love sushi. I'm the biggest sushi fan in the world. Somebody else that hates sushi, if I tell them, you got to love this, you got to love this, that doesn't make me right. Where you and I might you and I might lean more toward a Steely Dan track while somebody else might lean toward these two girls up on stage screaming, which I saw this act in Tokyo, Japan, doing exactly that. They were screaming. One had a cymbal and a snare drum. The other one had a guitar and couldn't play. They're millionaires. What, whatever the connect is, it, it was awful to me, but it was brilliant to somebody else. Mm. So when people, when people come to me, mostly what I, uh, the first sort of roadblock I set up is a three page questionnaire. You want to talk with me for 15 minutes to see if we can work together. You've got to put in 15 minutes to fill out a form. That form goes over and it's almost psychological operations, if you will, in the sense that I, I had a friend of mine that's a shrink help me design the form to get a sense of what people are expecting, what they're open to. If all they want is fame, I don't want to work with them. If, if it's a Grammy or an award, I don't want to work with them. If it's somebody that really just loves music, and maybe they do want some of the accolades, but they genuinely want to do music and are prepared to work, then it goes into a branding stage or a budgeting stage. It's no longer about getting signed to a major label because most of the major label deals, they're going to end up hurting you or taking the biggest percentage anyways. However, putting together a business plan, an expense and revenue model, that, and it's that old 90-10 thing, 10% in the recording, 90% in the promoting it, touring yeah. it, and pushing it. Yeah, yeah. When that kind of thing is put together, there is the actual chance of success and of everyone getting the return on investment plus interest. If musicians, a lot of times I've been finding I work more with the managers and the labels, but the independent musicians that come across, we, we can clean up the social media, we can talk more about engagement, or we can talk about how they're connecting with audiences and opportunities. But if they're just in that mindset of, I need other people to do it for me across the board, then the way I come back is saying, okay, for everything you don't want to do or have your hands in, somebody else is going to take a key percentage to do that early on because you're a risk of investment. And the music industry and the music business, they're not trying to screw you over. They're just saying if they have to do all this and not be funded, they are going to be well taken care of for the risk. So the more a musician can work with building a plan, building a brand, beginning content beyond just the music and scoping out a long-term plan, the less of a risk of investment, the more percentages that they can keep and the better the chance of success. Well, I, so that, that, I mean, there, there are some individuals who obviously get that, who are marketing gurus and, and have got that gestalt going on. There's also a lot of people who are in the music world are more creative people. And they're like, well, I can't sell myself. I don't know how to sell myself. I'm, there's an embarrassment level to it. Oh, the area I wanted to go into was the personality. So let's say we have a content, a music that's obviously, you know, some kind of level, probably, hopefully, some kind of quality recording. But now, what about my personality? Uh, how, how does that weigh in on a, a person's ability to sell their personal brand afterwards? It's it's an interesting crossover. The, every different style of personality has its audience. So in that in that sense of who you are, as opposed to taking the mindset and selling in 
buy me, like me, share me, vote for me, tell other people about me, which becomes a very dominant, pushy, and put and allows the person that's hearing that to put up walls. Now, if this person has a dominant personality or certain opinions on things, I'd rather see that artist put that out there. People have the ability to sell better than they realize. They don't need to just sell the product, the show, the tour, or the song. When you're vicariously connecting someone through your story, through the funny things that happen, through mm. the serious things, the sad things, you will engage a wider range of an audience and a wider range of media that highlights and embellishes your story to go out further. So the person that says, I don't like marketing, I don't know how to market myself, yet I, I see that same person when I used to live in L.A. just doing this perfect thing, moving up to a bar and hitting on a girl. I think you know how to market yourself right. just fine. Well, it's <laughs> like, um, I don't know if you know Dory Clark, but uh, one of the big questions we're talking about in personal branding uh, is personal branding for introverts. Because these are the people who are, are not naturally wanting to go out there and express themselves. Yet, the question is, how do you find that inner self that becomes interesting and engaging for the audience? I think what what I do is much more about finding the message of, of what makes someone feel less introverted. So you're an introvert, but there are certain things that you really find passion in or that you're allowed to share a little bit more. Maybe you're scared to share about your music. Maybe it's a very sensitive area. And as you set up an editorial calendar, as you reinforce your brand, that's possible. But what aspects make you feel the best? I have a guy, I mean, this is a perfect example of just yesterday. A French hornist that travels all around the world. He's a motion therapy coach and he's had a hard time promoting the horn thing and, and some of the negative connotations of a horn player that's viewed as, okay, well, you're a little stiff and you're stuffy. We put together a branding plan for him and we're going to continue to finish it out of him picking up different cases, everything from cellos to double basses to drums. And he's going to begin to feed this video story of how to carry your instrument into a gig and hear different ways of what he talks about and how you can set up a coaching session with him where I wish he was around back in the days when I didn't have a roadie. Because I definitely was carrying my drums wrong. Now, his comfort and humor and ability to express there were crossing over into the French horn element. And one of the things we said at the end of our meeting yesterday when he was talking about, well, I could talk about cleaning the horn. I said, why don't you take your horn and stand outside of a car wash and start to walk forward and say, this is a really bad idea. Okay, that's funny. It's not over the top. Right, right, right. It's, it's engaging. It, yeah. it goes. It, it takes the audience in a different direction. Well, I think you know. At the end of the day, it's, it's finding ways for people to express themselves in a way that engages. All right. So we've been talking about musicians, Lauren, and for the majority of people, we can all appreciate music and musicians, but most of us are in like in a relatively just sort of stayed business side. So whether we're a startup or working in big business, what are the crossovers that you see? I mean, because dealing with a musician, I can wear pink hair and I can have punk style and I can be, you know, David Bowie. All right, well, <clears throat> fine. But in business, it doesn't. it's not so easy to do that. So how do you cross over? What crossovers do you see? Or are there none between what you do with musicians and what you do in business? I think that so many businesses, from the restaurant owner to the accountant to the lawyer, they internally, maybe not physically, they have that pink hair. 
it's it's the rock star dream that traverses to to business. I see my restaurant doing this. I see my business doing this. I see my clothing line doing that. They are rock stars up on stage. They might not play an instrument, but it's part of their mind, their mindset. So in taking to that mindset, and that's where it's a familiar, similar, and nearby crossover and saying the same thing of, okay, we understand your product. We understand your service. We understand your offering or who you are, but how are you getting that across and how are you handling that with other competition? To be a hairdresser or to push a salon in a secondary or tertiary town or city is going to be so much easier than pushing out to try to be a musician in that city. So a lot of the same marketing techniques and content and branding and answering questions of what you offer, it's that much more feasible to take a lot of these concepts and the content and reach and penetrate that much more for conversion. Well, as you can imagine, with my background in L'Oreal and 16 years in hairdressing, that comment goes over nicely. So... Uh, hopefully lots of hairdressers are listening to the show, really. Um, or certainly lots of people from L'Oreal. Um, one of the things that's really important for me and, and is, has always been trying to find some meaningfulness in branding. And so there's a sort of the commercial aspect of branding. Marketing is all about making sales. Fine. Um, but where do you see the role of purpose fitting in in creating personal brands and business? I think I think purpose is right there at the fundamental. It is it is the root, is the foundation. In identifying your brand, as you decide what part of you, your personal purpose, you want to advance or you want to keep quiet. For my for my purpose, for me personally, aspects about whether I have a family or not, whether I have kids or not, that stays off the table. There's no sign that I have. There's no sign that I don't have. I leave that. While somebody else's purpose might be to highlight or, you know, showcase this thing about their love for their kids or their love for X, Y, or Z. I think that becomes the root. And then from there, to create conversations of engagement where you're looking somebody in the eye, you're not talking over their heads, you're not talking down to them. To put out the messages that you would say to somebody just meeting you and just coming across your your product or project with the same tone, voice, and words that you would use to say to your biggest hero or the person that's most inspiring. If that message can stay humble and true inside of your purpose, you'll create more personally, professionally-based purpose content and people engage with purpose content so much more than the buy 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 you got you need this i'm better than anybody else presenting things of, of background stories even highlighting things that somebody else might say okay i'm going to brag about this but, but instead it's i'm going to share something to wonder if all of you or some of you have felt this and you'll join me vicariously and at the end of this conversation of a blog an audio a video a photo you're going to want to go one more step and see what I'm up to, as opposed to presenting the call to action on the front of all content. The, per- the personal purpose puts the call to action on the backside, while the front of any advertising of any content is the purpose of you and engaging someone that you want to have be a part of you and with you, as opposed to just a customer. But yeah, that was a little overdone. No, Sorry. no, no, no. It's, <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to go with you. I reality is. Most people aren't doing that, especially in big business. And there's this fear of, you know, if I'm showing myself, 
I'm showing my soul, I'm, I'm being too personal, it's about being professional. And, and so we see lot, lots of barriers. How do you get somebody to go over that? Certain people, they are going to, they're going to go where they're going to go. They're going to see, they're going to read the latest trend, and, and it's a statement of, you must tweet at this time, or if you're not on Instagram, or if right. you're not on this format, and they're going to jump horses, and there's nothing that can be done for those people. For other people, have you ever noticed how you like a certain ice cream flavor, and then all of a sudden you just don't like it anymore? I just found a new ice cream flavor called Black Cherry that I love. It's this cherry ice cream with these little um, chocolate chips. I wouldn't have eaten. I'm 42 years old. I never really liked it before. Now it's my favorite ice cream, and i got to have it in the freezer. It's, it's, it's the thing about change, of, of being open to seeing things in the smallest ways, of testing out, of not being in this locked-up mindset of we need to shoot a $10,000 video. Because what does that, how many times is someone going to see that? But if I'm shooting a video once a week and I'm doing it on my iPhone and I'm testing the waters, I'm looking at how I title it, I'm looking at how I'm interacting, I'm looking at how I'm learning from my customer base. Yes, it is like being naked in a way. And there are aspects of your, your personality and your soul that will shine through. But right now in a time where we're so oversaturated by robotic marketing elements mm -hmm. that relate to the 60s, why not let your soul connect with so many people that are so hungry to find purpose and engagement? And that in turn reaches your three audiences, the people that already buy from you that will feel, hey, I still want to check in. The people that might be familiar with you but haven't checked you out, that leads them to you. And at the same time, it's marketing with the people that have never heard of you. And that trifecta, it respects all three of your audiences while giving them a piece of you and letting them experience something that most big businesses aren't sharing. So I wanted to share an experience I had yesterday. I was in a panel at, at a um, sort of a, start, a startup accelerator called Innovation Warehouse in London, and uh, we were doing a it was by tele you know, conference. Um, seven startups in, in Jerusalem were pitching, and the one that won was actually they all had five minutes to present, and the one that won was spent three of those five minutes telling a story. It wasn't a deeply personal story, but it was a story. And, and how about that for balls? Because everyone else sort of followed, you know, I'm going to tell you about my strategy. I'm going to tell you about my marketing strategy, you know, what I'm going to do for marketing. I'm going to tell you about why you need to listen to me. So you followed a, a whole very traditional approach, whereas this guy completely broke the barrier. And by the way, he was the one that won. So I... <laughs> I thought that was a beautiful thing. So um, you, you're doing, I mean, I, I love the way you're in the cross section and, and you're allowed to be in the music area and you can allow for personality and business. In the way you're driving people's brands or helping companies drive their brands, what do you see uh, like the trends that you are, I mean, that are coming through? Is it more of the same or are there some new areas that you see in terms of ways to develop your business? One of the biggest trends I like is when people are adding the optimization elements and inside of their content answering questions. So as opposed to my, my company, me, 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 dot LLC, <laughs> or, or, or whatever is, <laughs> is, is, is all this titling that comes to the brand, it's a flip around to 
why is it better to talk to a fan, to, uh, talk with a fan instead of talk to a fan? I, I did a show with, um, uh, with a music publisher and we came up with the title, How Do You Add Music to Your Radio Show or Podcast? That became the title. When you ask Siri that question, which a lot of people ask and a lot of people search that, it, it, com- it comes back to me, but more so it's highlighting this music publisher. The trends that I'm seeing with, with the naming, so many people are asking so many more questions on their phone, whether it be through the iPhone, whether it be through you know other technology, whether it be through their computers, that if you have a way to answer that question, so I guess that's part one of the trend to present the questions that people are asking as opposed to continually seeing yourself as the answer. And maybe you are the answer, but the humility of stating, well, I don't think the world knows my name and knows that I'm the answer. So I'll ask the question and give them my answer, which leads them to me. That's one part. The other part that I'm finding that has just, it's, it's like the soul that you say, it's the purpose. I find that humor Um, Humor marketing is one of the biggest trends and one of the biggest capture conversions out there. And I found this with myself. I found this with my books. I found this with restaurants. We did a a joke about a restaurant. Uh, They don't serve breakfast and they don't serve brunch. And the whole pitch and this one line was, have you heard about our super new breakfast special? No? Good, because we're not open for breakfast and we're not open for brunch, but we are open at five. In the, in the humor of that, with this funny face and the words optimized correctly, it began to capture in its given area breakfast hashtags and keywords and things to make it a little bit more fun. I, you know, I, I made a joke about uh, a couple of years ago saying your career is not on fire. Uh, I don't know if that's a term over in, in, in France or England, but in America, it's very oversaturated. So I put up a picture, of, a video of my book. And it was actually on fire. I, we, we, we gassed it up. We tied it up with um, duct tape on the bottom. It got a lot of views. It got a lot of conversions. I've gone to different people who, different companies and clients, where they want to touch on politics, where they don't want to touch on politics. One of, one of the companies I consult with, they do logos. And right now in America, between the Hillary Clinton logo and the Trump logo, there are some issues with both of them. So he came out and did this great audio saying, okay, you've got a red arrow, which is a Republican sign going to the right, which serves as Republican, but you're a Democrat. You might have wanted to show that logo to a couple other people. Trump, it looks like TP. It looks like toilet paper. His call to action was free. And this is the other part of the trend. Free information. Once you find that right graphic designer, allow some time to let a series of different people of different ages and different backgrounds look and see what positive and negative connotations come from it. And if you're looking for a graphic designer, come check us out. So the humor, the asking the questions, and at the same time, the supplying that little free tidbit that's so helpful that says, you know what, I don't even necessarily need to work with you, but I've got something from you. And then that reminder I watched two months of content over time, and now I definitely want to work with this guy, this company, this girl, or whoever. I, those are the biggest trends I'm seeing, and, and the ones that are showcasing the actual conversions. It's not the likes. I know that, you know, tight, tight shirts and women and flashy colors and beauty, that, that's great. You just got 10,000 likes, but did those likes convert? Hmm. All right. So the other thing that's interesting about you, Lauren, is that you, uh, you know, obviously have lived in the performance world, which would, you know, in the very 
grainiest of meanings is in real life, as opposed to digital and living in social media, online, SEO, SEM. When you're dealing with uh, radio shows and you're trying to pitch your ideas, trying to get some coverage in, our, in PR on television, what, what's working in that field? Because those guys are also in disruptive, they're being disrupted and are, are mostly all reeling in one way or another. So how, how do you pitch to them in a way that makes sense and gets you on air? I look, I look to every pitch as personalized and as individualized as possible. I start with a, I have a spreadsheet and Excel sheet. I I'll go to a given show and see what information I can find about it, but also say, okay, are a lot of people listening or is the, is the host, do they really know their stuff? Do they really have a background? Then it's personalizing the pitch. Too many people send out and I get them for my show. We would be a great fit for your show. We've gone through your back catalog. Well, to date, I haven't had any guests on my show. I've been recording with guests now, but you, you're lying to me. Or, you know, right. these, these blanket things. I try to, I try to showcase a spent, and it, it, regardless, from the biggest shows to the smallest shows, I'm looking at you. I'm going to listen to four different radio shows or download three different podcasts, go through all of these things and deliver something that, you know, options the opportunity to talk. The other thing that I always like to present and, you know, I think I presented to you when I, when I contacted you was saying, this is my base audience right now. I'm still a newbie with the audio element and this is what I'm building. Those humble elements have offered me and allowed me to get on much larger scale things than making up and contriving unrealistic numbers, fake things or playing out the hype. The other thing from television, I have my interview sheet which states inside of it, if I'm on TV, I know not to look directly in the camera. I know that my answers can't go over this amount of time. I know how to engage you know, with, a, with a host. I'm not going to take over and I'll stay on track. And as simple as that stuff sounds, when you put that out there in writing, a lot more hosts are going to like it. No, no doubt. When, uh, it, it, I mean, the, the problem with personalizing is that it's hard work. I do think it's hard. Look, I have a I have a basic form letter. It's a really extended one, and then I make sure to introduce in. And I mean, yeah, it's gonna it's it takes much more time, but I find a higher conversion rate conversion ratio to more interviews and appearances to put five to ten minutes into an email than to put 10 emails out in five minutes. Totally. And for that, it's worth my time to reach out. I, 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 found, well, I owe this particular conviction to a particular friend, woman, who, with whom I worked when I was at L'Oreal. Uh, her name was Anne Mincy, and um, she was the uh, PR goddess of our, our company. Uh, she wasn't really a PR professional at all, but she taught me one thing. Which and so she said, what PR is, and it was I was working for the brand Redken for hairdressers, and she said PR is about personalizing Redken. So every message that she sent was personalized, and she'd rather send out five personalized messages than 500 standard messages. And so I learned that from her, and I've been following that ever since. So thank you, Annie, for that. This is a <laughs> shout out to my, she's a beautiful woman too. So um, listen, Lauren, we have come to the end of our little uh, half an hour together. Been fun too short. Um, what is the best way someone can reach you, track you down, follow you? Um, at laurenweisman.com l-o-r-e-n-w-e-i-s-m-a-n.com I also a lot of people connect with me on iHeartRadio and you can go to waitwhatreallyokay.com 
And, and, what, and what is I, that? Just so we understand, what is weight? That what is that? What is that? It's it's actually it's the mindset. You keep bringing up the mindset. It's weight. What really? Okay, <laughs> that was where Got we it. came up with the title. Beautiful. <laughs> and and I have a lot of free videos on YouTube, um, across social media, and small tips and a lot of references to other people. Lauren, beautiful mindset. Lovely to have you on the show. Looking forward to seeing you in Vero in November. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of
My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.